Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger with this week's message from Story Point Church. Well, good morning. Good morning. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Bob Murphy, and... Um, you know the uh, Chicago Bulls? Da, 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 da. That was my walk-up music. I, I just, it would have been worth it, I think, if we tried that. Um, so, so you heard Jeff say, uh, he, you know, he contacted me yesterday, uh, but it wasn't like I, I put this together since yesterday. This is something I've been working on for a while. Um, have preached portions of it before in different places because I really feel um, the message behind it is, is critical. Um, here's what it's about. It's about peace. Um, I have the privilege of um, praying with people a lot. I love that. It's like one of my favorite things to do is to pray for people who are in pain, who are afraid, who are sick, who are worried. Um, when, I, when I go on mission trips, we, we collect hundreds or thousands of people and we just pray with them one at a time or in small groups. And, 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 and when I'm home, it's like my favorite thing to do. And I find that most often... <clears throat> What I'm praying for is God's peace for that person. And so I love thinking about it, praying about it. And, and we've got some, a beautiful instruction in Scripture from God that tells us how to access God's peace. See, this world where we live in right now is not a peaceful place. It hasn't been peaceful since Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Uh, you know, we, not long after Adam and Eve sinned, we see the first murder, and we see all jealousies, and we see power struggles, and we see uh, all, like, now, now the list is so big, we've started going backwards as humans. We're deciding things are no longer bad. They were used to, they used to be bad. Now they're not so bad, because we're so used to it. We're so used to that. We're so used to anxiety. If, you, if, you, um, if there's a storm that leaves the coast of Africa, thousands of miles away, then the, the weather channel's gonna have it, and we're gonna be on alert. Special weather alert, you know, danger, terror. We, anywhere you look, you see those kind of triggers for bad, anxious, worry. This is bad for you. We have politicians, it's a sport. To, to, to create anxiety. If I don't like what the other person's doing, I, I'll like you more and I'll give you more money and power. Or, or maybe it's uh, to sell a product or maybe it's to get a... Some people, being anxious is entertaining. They, they, they purposely look for things that are... I mean, there are... I, I, I can't watch them for because they they I have I like, almost like a little physical reaction. It's hard to explain. But you know those videos where you see people and and they're riding a bike or a skateboard or a motorcycle and it shows them smashing into things and falling and right, I, like that's entertainment now. Watching people break bones. They used to have entertainment like that in the Roman Colosseum. Watch people get feet up and chewed up and we're still doing it. There's example, like people are anxious about all kinds of things, paying the bills, um, tests at the doctor's office, stuff in your marriage, stuff in your family, uh, family members you don't ever see, but 
Do you know they're causing anxiety? See, here's, here's what we all though long for, I think. And it's peace. Peace from all that. You can tell people who are surrounded by marinating in God's peace. You can tell who they are. They act differently. They speak differently. They're, they, they radiate something from God and you want to be around them. Have you ever been around someone at work and they're constantly moving and running and it's all upset and we got to, you, nobody wants to be near those people. So let's talk about the, all right, this is a definition. Webster's got a definition. If you don't know who Webster is, he was a person who wrote a dictionary. I know that now you just Google it and, and I should, I'd say Google defines peace as the cessation of hostilities, not, not at war, or freedom from inner turmoil, like peace of mind. The word that we use and we say peace comes from a Latin word, originally, pax, P-A-X. And to the Romans, that meant a cessation of hostilities between the conqueror and the vanquished. And that peace was always temporary, and it always depended on the conqueror. If the conqueror said there was peace, there was peace. If the conqueror decided to go back in and, and fight, there was fighting. So the person in, in charge, the person in a position of strength, always decided... See, if you were the vanquished, you never could really be at peace because you weren't the one who decided it. The other one was. Now, in the Bible, we see another word that's used for peace, um, and you would know it as shalom. Shalom, we use briefly to say, you know, uh, in, a, in shorthand to say peace, but it means so much more. Uh, shalom uh, brings to mind wholeness. At the same time, it, it means all of these things. Wholeness, completeness, soundness, health, safety, prosperity, physical well-being, psychological well-being, social well-being, being spiritual well-being, and it comes with a feeling of permanence. The word shalom means all of those things at the same time. So while Webster says peace is cessation of hostilities, you know, peace or war, shalom, the biblical definition, God's peace is so much bigger, so much bigger. Um, reconciliation is in there. Peace with others, peace within. Shalom is peace with God, peace with others, peace within. So, so if we, if you're in this room and you're a, a follower of Jesus Christ, a believer of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus Christ. If that's you, then fear, anxiety, and worry are words that don't really belong in your vocabulary. This, this is easy to say. I get it. But literally, there's a reason the Bible tells us about peace and explains God's peace and explains our relationship with God and that peace, because we're not to worry like the rest of the world worries. The peace we have as believers, or let me say it this way, the peace that we have access to 
is different than for anyone else in the world. God provided that way for us to have peace through Jesus Christ. We're going we're gonna to read in the Bible today in Paul's epistle to the Philippians. So it's, uh, if you turn in uh, Philippians chapter 4, please. There's some verses here. I've, you've heard them before. Many, many of you have, right? But we're going to dig into them a little bit. And we're going to look at verses 4 through 7 in chapter 4 of Philippians. 4 of Philippians. So Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. And um, uh, he, let me explain. He was writing to already believers. This wasn't, he wasn't writing and saying, you should believe and here's why you should believe. He wasn't trying to convince people. He was writing to a church that was already established. These, these were Jewish uh, men and women and, and, uh, and who believed that Jesus was their Messiah. Uh, also in that town would be other uh, men and women who would have been known as pagans then, who began to believe in Jesus Christ. This is probably 40 or 50 years after Jesus uh, ascended back into heaven after his resurrection, 35, 40 years. This, is, this has been, this is like generation one of believers. That's who Paul's writing to. But you know, when we read scripture, it's also meant for us. And everyone between them and us, it's meant for the world the whole time. One of the things I love, if you can find these moments, they're sort of nuggets that are amazing. When you find something in the Bible and you go, just like that today. You know, the people in the world that constantly want to say, this is an old book, it's 2,000 years, it's old-fashioned, it doesn't apply anymore. All you have to do is read a little, and you could say, yep, still do that, yep, have a bunch of that, yep, oh yeah, heard that yesterday on the news. It's the same today as it always was. So Paul's writing to this, to this church of Philippi, to the believers there, but he's writing to us, and in verse 4 he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, often, and I'm tempted to go to verse 8 and verse 9 because they sort of fit together, but not today. There is enough meat in 4, 5, 6, and 7 that we could, we could, we could make a study of it for a month. Each word means something. Each word has something of value in it. But listen, listen there's, there's sort of two um, or three imperatives. Do this. Behave this way. And then there's this amazing promise in verse 7. It's an amazing promise. Um, how do we, so this peace in verse 7. Let's talk about how we, how we access that promise, that peace of God, right? So number one, it's, I, I, let me just start out. You have to be a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. If you're sitting here today and you've not made that commitment, you don't know of a day, a time, a moment where you surrendered to Jesus. What I'm talking about next doesn't apply to you. You don't have access to the same depth and breadth of peace that believers do. You, you could, 
But you don't until a decision is made that Jesus is who he says he was. He did what he said he was going to do. He is the son of God. He died for your sins and he wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants you to have an eternal life in the presence of God. If you don't know of a time in your life where you've said, I agree, I admit, I want to turn away from that old life. I want to, I want to, Jesus, I need you. Then if you haven't, Today's the day. Normally we save at the, till the end of a service to, to give what's called an invitation. But let me just tell you, every word in this book is an invitation to subject, to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Every word. Here we see, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice, right? Verse four. So this is literally Paul saying, celebrate God all day, every day. Now, I have to think there's some, there's some tough things. We've got some tough things. We've got bills to pay. We've got jobs. We've got kids. We've got traffic. We have weather. We have the heat. We have storms. We have all these things. Same things they had, except we, they didn't have the internet. I think that was probably a blessing. No, uh, but, but rejoice all day, every day. But think about this. What Paul's saying is, that Jesus Christ who died for you, became sin for you, paid your debt, the debt you could have never paid. Um, he, he wants you to rejoice. He wants you to celebrate. He wants you to be excited by that. He wants you to thank him for that. He wants you to, to be, be so wrapped up in him that you can't worry about other stuff. Like, like rejoicing is the opposite of complaining. Rejoicing is the opposite of worry. Rejoicing is the opposite of fear. Rejoicing is the opposite of anger. If you're rejoicing, you can't do those other things. True? It's so hard. It's not possible. You can't be going this way and this way at the same time. You can't do it. You can't rejoice and be mad at the same time. You can't worship and be sad at the same time. Rejoice always. He wrote it twice. He said it on purpose. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now remember, he was writing this as a letter that would be read out loud. So he knew the audience would hear. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice if you repeat yourself, it must be important. That's how important this was. Rejoice always. If you find yourself with anxiety or worry or fear or anger, something that's the opposite of rejoicing, try rejoicing. Try. Here's, a, here's, a, here's an amazing thing about God. The more you the more you draw near to, to follow his commands, to follow what scripture says, and you get, you have that experience, you go, hey, hey, that, that worked. And, and maybe the next time you can say, I, I have something to rely on. Like, okay, I rejoiced the last time when this was beginning to happen. And God helped me to feel less fear, less worry, less anxiety, gave me some peace. I'm going to try that again. Or maybe you happen to be sitting next to someone you care about or a stranger and you, you hear them upset. You could say, let me tell you what God showed me. But see, if these are just words, rejoice. See, here's the thing. Um, Paul is really clear. He, he doesn't say, begin rejoicing when it's great. 
when everything's good, when everything's calm, when there's no problems in your life, because you might wait a while for that to happen. Always. He said, rejoice in the Lord. Always. I, that always is a hard word for me. There's, if I were to categorize things, the behaviors, there's always, usually, sometimes, and never. There's more, but always, usually, sometimes, never. Rejoicing for me, you may be familiar with this. Um, rejoicing's hard. Hard. Oh, not hard, like hard to do, hard to remember the moments that I can rejoice because I, I, I'm waiting for the right opportunity. But Paul says not sometimes or usually, but always. It's a pretty high standard. You know, I think the only way that we can actually do this, because if God gives us something that's hard to do, like an always or a never, he won't ever tell us to do it without giving us the ability. See, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I have the indwelling Holy Spirit inside of me. And the Holy Spirit has some roles, right? Comforter, advocate, helper. He's to remind me of things that Jesus said. He's got all convict of sin. He's got these roles. But the Spirit of God lives inside me. If I've got the Spirit of God living inside me and he, he wants to help me, how do I turn that down? He wants to advocate for me, and I, how do I turn that down? He wants to, he, he wants to be, he wants to comfort me. Imagine this: I, I get to walk around everywhere I go with the spirit of God living inside of me, and He wants to comfort me. Why would I say no? If I need peace, I don't have to go far. I've got God right here. It's not a faraway God in a place called heaven that I can't see. It's not, a, it's not a historical God in a book. It's God living inside of me. And he wants to comfort me and help me and lead me. And why would I turn that away? And, and if I'm anxious and worried and upset and angry, I'm turning them away. What's the next thing he says? He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I have an excuse to not be gentle. I have a good reason for this. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Anybody from New York here? Anybody? Like, not like upstate. That's not New York, but, you know, New York City. Anybody? No? Um, I, you know, if, if I went to high school gentle, they'd beat me to death. You know, I, you can't... You can't be gentle. You have to be, you know, Brooklyn. And uh, now I've calmed down a lot since then. Most of you know me. I'm, you know. <laughs> the reality is, hey, 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 there's too much laughter here. And it wasn't even a funny thing. It was just laugh. I, was, I think that would be called laughing at me, not with me, I think. Here we go. Let my gentleness be evident to all. Why? What, gentle? Why would, what does gentle have to do with peace? Well, it has to do with everything. Um, I, I, it makes it clear to everybody that I meet, everybody I'm around. This is, by the way, when Paul's writing, he's, this is not just with other believers. This is with everyone. 
evident to all. He wants everyone to see. Why? Because the gentleness of a Christian showing the love of Jesus Christ is more attractive to other people than someone who's grouchy, mean, nasty, confrontational. It just is. There's, there's a difference. There are people that you want to spend time with, and there are people when you hear them, you're like, uh-uh, no, no, we're gonna, there's going to be a fight, there's going to be an argument, there's going to be a, you, Thanksgiving's coming soon. There's going to be family members that come over, and you're like, ah, ah, and you just know, why did we invite them? They always cause drama. They always cause strife. They always cause trouble. Why would we want to be around them? But then there's the people you just can't wait to see, because there's something about them, their love, their compassion, their gentleness. Gentleness is, is something that people will see and can cause worry or anxiety. Let me say it differently. The opposite of gentleness. Anger, anxiety, bitterness, um, uh, causing worry in others is, is not what the behavior that, that a believer should do. This one, I, look, all of these are meaningful to me, every bit of this verses, but this one right here is the one that keeps like every time I say the words, let your gentleness be evident to all. I, it's like an echo in my head. It's the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, I'm talking to you. I don't know which one of these applies to you directly, but this one is mine. I own it. I know I do. Now, I think I'm a different man today than I was 10 years ago. I, 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 I know I'm a different man today than I was when I, when I first became a believer in Jesus. I know that. And over time, but, but listen, he's writing to new believers early on saying, be gentle and let that gentleness be. It's not just a quiet gentleness. It's evident to all. Everyone's supposed to know. And so when someone says, hey, how come you didn't get upset? How come that didn't worry you? How come you didn't get angry? Why didn't you fight back? You could say, because I have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me. Because I'm a believer in Jesus. Because you, because that's the way we're supposed to behave. Well, how can you do that? Can't do it myself. Only the Holy Spirit. Only the Spirit of God can help me be, be as gentle as the Bible tells me to be. As God told me to be. See, it's an attraction to others to say, everybody acts mean, nasty. What about you? I love, uh, my wife and I watch this show, uh, Court Cam. Did you ever see that show, Court Cam? We like watching it because, you know, there's, there's, I wanted to say the word I usually, there's really dumb people. And, you know, there's, there's dumb, there's like, you look up, you say, listen, you just got convicted of murder. You're going to run out the door and expect they won't chase you. You're not going far, but they run. And they fight. But here's what always amazes me on that show. They show the victim impact statements often from, from families who are left after horrific crimes. And, and you hear the bitterness and the anger and the curses. And the, but every now and then you have someone stand up there and say, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer in Jesus. And I forgive you. And we should forgive you and pray for you. And, and I don't wish bad for you. I only hope good things for you. And, and every time that happens, I get a little teary eye thinking, if I were in their shoes, truly tested, could I be gentle like that? I don't really want to know, but I do know that's the standard. That's what this tells us. It says, be, be gentle, so gentle that it's obvious. And then right there, right in the same verse, it says, the Lord is near. Wait. 
Be gent let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Now, what were they talking about? Uh, the near word there uh, could mean near physically, could also mean near in time. It's not clear. And people have argued for this particular verse and a few others that it was probably both. What, what Paul was probably saying is the Lord is near, meaning let's talk about peace, right? We're talking about peace. We're talking about uh, uh, rejoicing to peace. Um, being gentle, being peaceful. The Lord is near. Here's a great thing to bring me peace. If I need help, I don't have to go far. He's, he's, he's right here. He's with me. God's with me. That's, that brings peace. Uh, it also could mean he's coming back soon. See, remember, imminently, they thought Jesus was going to return in their lifetime. Paul in this church, because he wrote some letters saying, listen, don't worry. If people die before he gets back, this is covered. God's got a plan, right? He, it was literally imminent they were expecting it, just like we are. Jesus could return at any moment. Well, that's, that brings me amazing peace. If, if Jesus came back right now, one minute from now, there'd be no fear when I heard that trumpet, when I heard the call of the angel, and when Jesus arrives to take his followers home to heaven. I, there won't be fear. It'll be complete peace because all the pain will be gone. All disease will be gone. Sin and worry and shame and all gone. Like the stuff that I know I don't have to carry anymore because Jesus died for those sins. But, but still in life, they're like, they're like rocks in a backpack. They're still here, right? Not when he comes back. So when this says, Jesus, the Lord is near, I'm thinking, come, Lord. That brings peace. What's next? It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, there's a lot in that verse. There's a lot in that sentence. I want to use it specifically to connect to peace. When, when, when he says, don't worry about, don't be anxious about anything. Okay, that's tough. Like, if, if the house payment's due, don't be anxious. If there's a tornado coming, don't be anxious. If there's, a, a, you know, a strife in your family, don't be anxious. But what's the opposite? I'm not supposed to be anxious, but what am I supposed to do? In every situation, every situation, not some situations, every, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. If you get anxious or worried or afraid, try this, just try this. The very next time, caused by any reason. Maybe when you leave here, you, the restaurant doesn't serve you fast enough and you're starving and you get anxious. You start getting worried. You're going to miss an appointment. You're going to miss the football game. You're going to, whatever. College was yesterday, NFL today, right? Yeah. Uh, my daughter's now at a school that has a team, so I have to know that now. Uh, they won't win, but they've got a team. <laughs> At every situation, the next time you get anxious about anything, try this. Pray. Just try it. Like literally pick, pick the, whatever the smallest thing. You get to the light and you didn't make it through because the car in front of you went slow. Brooklyn, okay? The first thing would be like, ah, you know. 
It just, it's natural. Hey, don't, don't tell me you don't yell at other drivers while you're driving. Am I the only one who does that? Come on, move out of the way. When I used to drive in an ambulance or a fire truck, I didn't need the siren. They could hear me. Move, move. Get out of the way. You don't see the big giant, you know. The next time you get anxious, pray. Present your request to God. It is amazing. The little, the things we consider little that God takes care of all the details. When, when we pray that we want someone to be healed from cancer and he does, we're like, yes, God. But we're worried about something minor and we pray, we sort of forget that he does those too. He does those too. Here's the best part. Here's the punchline. Here's the thing wrapped all up because it's got an end. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident. Don't be anxious. And that means next, it's connected the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Here's what I love about this. I, I use this all the time. I pray, I pray people, I pray with people and I pray that they feel the peace that transcends all understanding. And, and, and so transcends is like, um, uh, it's bigger than, it's more giant than. But what, I, what I've been saying, and I think it's nowhere near sufficient, it's a peace that would blow your mind if you could understand it, but it's not good enough because the peace of God, which is bigger than we could possibly fathom and understand. See, if we do these things, rejoice, gentleness, pray in every situation and the peace of God, which we can't begin to understand, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is so cool. Listen, um, uh, as adopted children of God, as believers in Jesus Christ, he, we have access to, well, we have access to peace with God. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have peace with God right now. Where God would have been your, your judge and ju uh, would have judged you for your sins. You would be eternally separated from from the presence of God at the time of your death or when Jesus returns at judgment, when that, see, if you're a believer, that doesn't happen because you have peace with God. Now, every believer has that. Here's what we don't all have, but we have access to, the peace of God. God bless you. The peace of God. I want to have peace with God and the peace of of God, a peace so big that we can't even understand it, transcends all understanding. Here's another way, though. I just saw this recently, and it stuck in my head. It's like a, it's another way of looking at that transcends all understanding. Peace trumps knowledge or understanding. Have you ever been involved with something, a situation, uh, a, a life thing that went on that created anxiety or fear or worry, and you would say things like, well, I just want to understand. Help me understand why. Or I just want to know why this happened. I want, the, I want to know. I want the knowledge. I think the knowledge is going to give me peace. Turns out, knowing the why, having the knowledge doesn't bring peace. God brings peace. We, 
We can't, we can't bring our own peace by wrapping our minds around. a Imagine a terrible tragedy, uh, a car wreck, people die, or someone's murdered, or there's this horrific crime, and we say, why, why? Just help me understand why. That will never bring peace. Sometimes we have people say, well, it'll bring closure. No, it won't. You know what brings peace? God. In fact, it's such a deep and wide and giant peace we can't even begin to fathom it. I want access to that. I, oh, I want access to that. Here's another cool thing that, that, that this verse tells us about this piece. Not only is it so big, your mind can't even fathom it. it it's also a very special kind of piece. It's a piece that guards your hearts and minds. Let me, let, me, let me explain this. Let me explain this. So when you get this piece, Jesus Christ helps you think and feel what you're supposed to think and feel when you're wrapped in that peace. When you're enveloped in the peace of God, Jesus is helping to protect you from thinking the bad things or feeling the bad things like a military guard. This word when it says guard on here, it's, it's the same word guard as to mean a military guard. And when Jesus guards to keep something out, it stays out. It stays out. That's powerful. I want that peace. I want that peace that's so big that I can't even begin to understand it. And the things I think and the things I feel in my heart are going to be Protected by Jesus at that same time. Oh, that's good. I need more. Uh, how many of you need more of that peace in your life? See, if you know if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've got peace with God. You, if, you, if you work your way through this life, someday you're going to be uh, in the presence of God as a believer. I, I believe that. But he wants you to have peace now. He, he knows, like, it's not just a prize at the end. It's his love right now. His mercy, his greatness right now that wants you, he wants you to have a peace that you couldn't even understand. And, and, and he reveals how and who. That's what I wanted you to hear today. That was my message because I think I struggle with it. I think others do. And most of the time when I put my hand around someone's shoulder and I pray with them, they just need peace from something. And those that are believers, I can show them this. It's a little, a little roadmap from God to saying, I know what you need. Now let me tell you how. And for those that are not believers, I say, Jesus is the only way. Let me show you that too. And uh, so... So I don't know who you are today and where your relationship is with God, but either way, I think you needed to hear this. Thank you very much. <laughs>